Charity Chat. I'm your host Samuel Davies and in this episode I'm also joined by fellow host Rachel Conroy. We speak with Alison Taylor, CEO of CAF Bank and CAF Charity Services and Christina Kopic, Head of Charity and Voluntary Sector at ICAEW. We speak about new research carried out by CAF and ICAEW on the challenges to trustee boards and what charities can learn from this. We talk about diversity on boards, what this means and what it can bring to charities at a time where many are seeing more need and less funding than before. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Alison Taylor and Christina Kopic speaking about the need for trustee diversity. I'm co-hosting the show today with Rachel Conroy. Rachel, welcome to your first charity chat recording. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Sam. Um, thanks for having me, and thanks, Alison and Christina, for letting me uh, be part of this. As Sam said, it's my first ever recording, so um, I'll be as nice to you as you want to be as well for all of this. <laughs> and we're delighted today to be joined by our guests, Alison Taylor, CEO of CAF Bank and CAF Charity Services, and Christina Kopic, Head of Charity and Voluntary Sector at ICAEW. Alison, Christina, welcome to Charity Chat. Thanks. Um, good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So, Alison, if we can start with you, what is your background? What's led you to become the CEO of CAF Bank and CAF Charity Services? So I'm actually a chartered accountant by background. I qualified a long time ago um, with, with Deloitte and that was an ICAEW qualification. So I'm um, very, very familiar with the organisation. And then I moved into banking um, after a, a period in kind of corporate finance and, and mergers and acquisitions. And having worked in mainstream banks for a number of years, I could see the extent to which banks were pulling back from the charity sector. And it's so important that charities have access to, to tailored, good quality banking services and, and financial support that I really was looking for the opportunity to, to address that widening issue in the market and I came across CAF Bank um, really fortuitously at a point in time when they were recruiting a new CEO and here I am um, so it was was very very fortunate move for me and yeah really really enjoying uh, rebuilding our bank for for charities for the future. And why, why is that? Why I read something recently about um, the challenges that charities have with high street banks what what are those challenges yeah absolutely i mean ncvo has just released some really good research in in this area um so there's a number of reasons but i think it, it really comes down to the fact that the high street banks are rebuilding profitability still after the 2008 financial crash wow, and okay. as part of that really digitalizing operations 
And as you do that, you know, they, they tend to build those digital customer journeys for businesses and then charity needs just don't flow through that digital pipe. Um, and, it, and so it makes them high touch, reasonably demanding customers and no longer really a target for, for most of the mainstream banks. And I think, I think when you overlay the difficulties that, um, that banks have, particularly for charities looking to make overseas payments to high risk jurisdictions, mm-hmm. you know, that there already are a number of factors that they're just not target customers anymore. Christina, what does your role entail as head of charity and voluntary sector at ICAEW? So let's start maybe by explaining um, to the listeners what ICAW is. That's a good uh, idea. Because I'm sure not everybody is familiar um, unless they are part of the accountancy profession. So ICAW stands for the Institute of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales. And it's a professional body um, with over 160,000 members and around 34,000 students studying towards our ACA qualification. And so it's a a large uh, body of chartered accountants and many of our members work with charities so either they are um, professional advisors they might audit uh, charities or perform independent examinations of course we many charities also have ICW members um, as part of their executive leadership team but we also have a lot of members who are um, charity trustees so our members hold more than 30,000 board level roles within charities and that's charities of all sizes in the UK so um, my role as head of charity and voluntary sector at ICW is really there to serve all of these audiences all of these three types of members um, and provide them with technical support make sure they're well informed on updates um, represent them as well in my liaison with other organizations such as the charities aid foundation and when we speak to the charity regulator for example Mm. Um, but yeah it's really really making sure that we have a great offer for our members in the sector. And that includes um, leading a community that is dedicated to the charity and voluntary sector. Fantastic. And are you seeing the demands on your service changing, especially since the pandemic? Are you seeing kind of issues arising from that from your members? Yeah, we do always hear um, what are current concerns and actually what Alison just mentioned about banking is definitely something that comes up a lot uh, with mm. our members, but definitely there has been more and more um, concern about financial resilience of charities, which also that came out in, as part of our research as well, but that's something that our members play a critical role in. And so also what I do see quite often is organizations really wanting to have a chartered accountant on their board. And so we do our best to support them, find the right uh, person with the right professional skills to help them. Alison, CAF and ICAW carried out a study earlier this year into the challenges for trustees. What did you find? So a number of common areas across the board, really, um, six main ones, but perhaps by far the most crucial, I think, a, a focus on financial resilience and diversifying fundraising um, and, and income streams post the pandemic as you know, number one concern and consideration. And, and I think since we published that research, we, we at CAF have done um, further research with our UK giving report and you know, also looking at the cost of living crisis. 
and that, that's only exacerbating that, that issue. Um, but in addition to financial resilience, I think a need for increased focus on diversity, um, both in terms within for a larger charity within the sort of employed workforce, but also across trustees, um, which, which tend to be drawn from a fairly narrow pool of the population. The need to be able to access um, more centralised support and, and training, help with increasing digital take-up. I think charities are in wildly different places with their digital adoption. Um, and, and of course, that, that need for a digital strategy has really been accelerated through the pandemic period. And, and also a focus on increased collaboration, both, both within the charity and how it works, but also across groups of, of peer charities. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's real opportunity for that. So those, those were our main areas of findings. And is there any sense that there's a, there is a, a big market out there of people that are looking to fill these trustee roles? Or is there a kind of, I, mean, I know we've got a skill shortage you know, across various different industries at the moment. Is there a skill shortage in, in, among people wanting to be trustees? Or is, it, is there a demand and it's just finding ways of connecting to that demand? I suspect there's an element of both. I think we're very fortunate in the UK that there, there are a lot of people motivated to give their time as, as trustees and, and you know, well-trodden path there. I think the challenge is that it tends to be drawn from quite a narrow group of, um, of society. And what we really want to do is, is to really broaden that out. And it would be good to see, I think, for a lot of, of charities with particular service user groups, it would be good to see better representation of those service users on trustee boards as well. And that, that you know, I think that brings a huge amount of value to, to charities. You know, it, it does happen, but it's quite a mixed picture. And, and that in particular would be, would be good to see. And I don't know, Christine, if, if this is a, a kind of relevant question, but we, in our last episode, we were speaking with uh, Hannah Johnson about really kind of corporate engagement and how charities can uh, engage staff in companies, especially big companies. And presumably this is an opportunity as well to engage with companies potentially as a, um, a recruitment ground for new trustees. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, we, we definitely see our member firms um, promoting being a trustee and we do that at ICAW too. I mean, not necessarily to our staff, although that too, but mainly to our members. So we have a website called ICW Volunteers, which allows charities to advertise any vacancy for voluntary roles, including trustee roles free of charge. And so many charities that are having financial difficulties or just want to improve their financial sustainability are especially keen on having a chartered accountant on their board. And so that's what we're trying to offer by helping um, with our website to match ICW members to charities. And definitely we see a lot of interest. So a lot of our members are really interested in becoming charity trustees and many are trustees of multiple charities. So um, if anything, what we see is a demand um, for the younger members to also 
enter the enter the sector as trustees, and and so that is really something that we are trying to promote, and uh, we make free training, um, trustee training available to all our members and non-members as well to try and bring people onto charity boards that maybe don't have that experience yet. So um, what Alison was saying there in terms of widening access, I think that is really important. Also within the chartered accountancy profession, we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to contribute. Do you think there's a there's an argument that more kind of members of staff in charities should be brought on as trustees? I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, whether, for example, those who are in senior leadership roles in a charity should also be taken onto the board as, as trustees. I think there's good argument for participation in boards, but you've got to be quite careful, I guess, around the conflict of interest position between you know, the board being able to give that independent check and balance um, for, for the executive team. I think I think that's important. Um, but perhaps it's good experience to be a trustee of a different charity, actually, whether whether in a similar segment um, of, of the sector as your own charity where you're an executive or, or otherwise. I think there's good experience there that can be can be gained with board participation. But um, yeah, just got to watch the conflict of interest point. Absolutely. And I think that, that speaks to um, other points we've heard on the show in the past, that especially for leaders in the charity sector, that it's helpful for them to understand the other side of working with a board as, as a leader, as a paid member of staff, perhaps, to also be a trustee and understand what their board is looking for and looking uh, and their perspective on things, I guess. So, Christina, with a desire to encourage more diversity among charity boards, as Alison mentioned earlier, and a need for more trustees across the sector, what can charities do with the outcomes of your recent study to help them build a board that can take them into the future? Yeah, I think what we found with the study was that definitely all of the trustees that were interviewed um, for our research, they saw the need um, for their boards to be more diverse. And um, But what was really interesting is that they prioritized the diversity in terms of skills and expertise above other types of diversity. And so that often leads to having a, um, a board that might be drawn from quite a narrow section of society. And so what I would um, encourage trustees to do is when they look at uh, recruiting new trustees on their board, start by looking at the gaps. And that could be gaps in terms of skills and knowledge, but it could also other be other gaps. So see how well their charity board reflects wider society and their service user groups, and then really consider how they could make the role appealing um, and even known to to the people that they're trying to attract to the board because quite often what we hear about is that trustees are still recruited um, from existing networks of trustees or perhaps the CEO and and therefore that that is a real hindrance to diversity so I'd encourage all charities to advertise their trustees vacancies not just on their website but really go out um, more creatively to um, to other sites or perhaps using consultants to try 
identify trustees to, to find those gaps. But ultimately, I think what is most important for charity boards is that the trustees that are on the board can make the best decisions for the charity. And so it's not just a, a case of bringing more diverse trustees on, but also then creating a sense of inclusion that allows everyone to speak up and have a robust debate, um, because that's how you get the most out of a board and out of the different perspectives and opinions on, on, on the trustee board. I think Christina hits the nail on the head there, really, and it, it is all about that diversity of thought and perspective, and therefore not doing what I suppose is, is tempting for all of us to do, which is reach out to our own networks of people that we already know and trust, and it doesn't matter how competent we know or believe those people to be, if, if they're sort of really an extension of ourselves and our own way of thinking, that, that probably isn't what we actually want. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned kind of looking at the, the, the people that are maybe benefiting from your service or, how, or other stakeholders in your charities and, and, and kind of looking, looking to them as potential trustees as well. And I suppose in terms of taking somebody that's me- never been a trustee before and equipping them with all of the, uh, the kind of knowledge that they need, I guess part of that is a good induction process when they are seen by a board, but presumably there are other areas things they can look for and training they can look for as well I think I think there's a lot out there already I mean we have uh, we have a fair amount across our own website you know the charity commission provides a lot charity finance um, NCBO there, there, there are a number of places I think that trustees can can go for actually really high quality training and support materials at the beginning I think it's just not that well known and, and that well utilised actually. So I, I was, if anything, surprised at the extent of feedback in, in the report um, about this need for more, more centralised training because I actually think there's quite a lot out there already. Yeah, um, this has all been super interesting. I'm so happy this is my um, first first foray into the podcasting world with you guys. I think it's, yeah, it, we've spoken a lot about the kind of what and, and where the gaps are, but I'd be interested to know from a charity's perspective, like what are the biggest benefits to filling those those skills gaps and, and plugging where there are gaps in kind of diversity of thought as well? I think it's really important to be able to challenge the status quo a bit you know, the, the environment for charities has changed so much in the last couple of years, partly because so many are emerging from the pandemic with vastly different financial situation, you know, perhaps have had to utilise reserves, um, perhaps facing real increase in demand for their services, and, you know, possibly very different map of income stream than they had previously. Um, so there's a real a real need for those who rely on grant funding. I think the professionalism of, of grant applications is going up and up, and, and, and so the bar is high. You need to be able to meet that. You need completely different skills, I think, around digital fundraising, um, perhaps managing fundraising in a cashless environment, which we almost are now, I think, compared to how it was. You know, so there's a, there's a number of different changes there and and I think financially got to be super tight on managing charity finances now we're we're coming into an absolute perfect storm for for charities with that increase in demand 
perhaps falling income. We, we've seen donations falling already. Our own research points to that. Yeah, you've got inflation impacts and then vastly increasing costs, um, particularly for those that, that have high wage bill or, or energy costs. So, you know, there's real challenges for charities, and I, I think they need a different mix of, of skills and professionalism to, to really meet that head on um, com- compared to a couple of years ago. Yeah, I would agree with Alison there. And and also just to add something in terms of diversity of thought, because what, what we sometimes find is that when a charity has uh, trustees with very specific skills and knowledge bases, that they rely on one trustee to be the main decision maker. And, and that's something that we really need to get away from. So it's important to also recruit to the board in terms of diversity of thought and have an environment and a culture that encourages debate and that that comes down to so many things it could be something practical as allowing the time because quite often boards only meet quarterly or perhaps once a month or six times a year and time is so precious to talk about governance and then having enough time to have debate is really important um, to enable everyone to participate and I think that's that's again that's where members that have specific expertise which is highly beneficial so if someone is a chartered accountant for example and has that financial financial expertise, it's just as important that they share that expertise and help people understand the numbers so they can participate in the decision making. And I think that's a skill that um, is also really useful to take into account when when trust, uh, when, when charities recruit to their board, how willing are, are trustees to share in their expertise? How good are they at explaining um, their special area of expertise to the other trustee board? Alison Taylor, Christina Kopik, thank you both for contributing to Charity Chats. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you to Alison Taylor and Christina Kopik for joining Rachel and I for this very useful and enlightening episode of Charity Chat. Financial resilience and diversifying fundraising are key challenges for many of the charities that recently responded to this survey carried out by CAF and ICAEW. The cost of living crisis is also playing a part in the challenges that charities are experiencing now and will likely see for the foreseeable future, both in terms of the cost of their operations and potentially limiting their future funding opportunities as donors may well start needing to tighten their own belts. There's a need also for digital strategy among charities and for those who aren't already looking into developing this, there is no better time to do so than now. There is an underrepresentation of a variety of demographics on charity boards and a recognition that diversity of board members as well as diversity of thought are key for charities to do the best by those they are seeking to support. When it comes to finding new candidates for your charity board, There are a number of resources already available, including the ICAEW Volunteers website, Reach Volunteering and various others. But aside from relying on a Google search by interested applicants, charities can also consider proactive ways of reaching out to possible candidates among their own corporate partners and service users. So if you're looking to do something to support the sector as a whole and the efforts of the many thousands of charities seeking to address the growing needs, that we have in our society, putting yourself forward as a trustee might be the right thing to do. 
So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. Also, I'd like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And of course, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from us. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.